what are what are your guys' thoughts on teams playing games in in other I love when teams play games. Stadium. That's I love to Whoa, watch teams hold play on, games. Ethan. Okay. Corey Corey, I'm asking you this question. Alex is now disqualified. Corey, what are your thoughts on teams playing games in Ethan, other do you sports? You realize stadiums? who I am? Yes, that's why I'm I, asking I you this love question. It. I think it's so much fun. I mean, look at look at what in a serious sense. Look at what the NHL has done with like the Winter Classics and the Stadium Series games. Those are so much fun. Like the first one was in Canada at some like fo- like CFL stadium, and they're like, "Hey, this is pretty cool. We should do this more often." And then the next one was in Buffalo in a blizzard. And everyone was like, this blizzard, is the yeah. coolest thing in the world. And now it's become a staple on uh, New Year's Day. Which, by the way, which, by the way, is like, it's probably the most recognizable of all of them in sports has become the winter classic for hockey. And it's probably the worst viewing experience for fans because <laughs> the, the rink is so small. And it's impossible to see what's actually it, going on in the stadium. Like, but it's just it's just the atmosphere. It's, it's just such what a it is that you're doing. Yeah. Experience, and you know, Alex and I went to the Winter Classic at the Big House, right? That was that was probably the same magic, roughly, as the Buffalo Winter Classic because it was negative eight degrees and also a blizzard, and it was probably one of the better regular season games in recent history between the red the red wings and the maple leafs and then i went to it was the centennial classic which was like a part of like the hundred year nhl thing in toronto again against the maple leafs and the red wings came back from a three goal deficit in the third period which was an electric factory so i those no Nobody sat down at the Winter Classic that Corey and I went to because the bleachers were covered in ice. Like, you were colder sitting down than you were standing up. I, so, I don't know about you guys, but the coldest weather game I have ever been to was the Lions-Packers game in Green Bay on Sunday night football to end the year last year. I was at that game. My first time ever in Lambeau. Shout out my cousin for treating me and taking me to that game. That was incredible. But it was like in the low 20s. And it was in like, it was close to single digits with the wind chill. But I was totally fine. I had my big winter coat on and was like totally fine. I I absolutely loved it. Uh, There's something about like being out in an outdoor sports arena in like the cold it's just great. It's it, it adds to the whole atmosphere of everything, and I, that was definitely the coldest I've ever been. I had, I I had like long johns, jeans, and snow pants, and then I had two pairs of socks. And still, after the first period, I couldn't feel my feet. I brought an extra pair of socks to put on just in case, and I needed them immediately. Did not matter. It was it was easily a top two live sporting event, and I think it's the same for Alex. But I'm not going to put words in his mouth. Oh yeah, one of, one of the coolest games I've ever been to in my life. Absolutely, I, I think the funniest memory, and then we'll get into the episode. For me, one of the funniest memories of that day was 
uh, our moms surprised us with the tickets because we woke up early to try to get the tickets the first day they went on sale and we didn't. And our moms ended up surprising us and like paying the big bucks to get them. And so before we went, they told us like, oh, make sure you guys take like a ton of pictures for us like while you're at the game. And while we were there, we took zero pictures except for right before we left. And it was just like a selfie of the two of us, like nothing in the background. All you could see is like our two heads in in the picture. And they were like, this is not what we were talking about at all. That is like the most dude thing. That is something I would 100% do. It was do. so cool. It was That's so like the cold. It wasn't our fault. We wanted to keep our fingers and we didn't want to, you know, we were going to remember it. What They weren't at the game. So what the heck? I will say, before I know we, we're going to jump into the episode. That game is the reason why I'm banned from StubHub. Oh. Yeah. What? Okay. Well, that's a story for another day. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. Thank you for turning in, tuning in. This is Big Banter, despite us talking about nonsense to start off this episode. Um, if you love college football, if you love Big Ten football specifically, you have definitely come to the right place. We appreciate you. We love you. We're going to jump into this because this is CFP. This is CFP week. And I, guys, I want to say that there's a lot of Big Ten teams playing in big bowl games, but that just isn't the case anymore. They don't exist. Ohio State is playing in a New Year's Six Bowl against an SEC team and no one cares and no one's playing in it. And, and you guys might be like, wow, he's really selling this whole thing. We're going to dive deep into the Michigan Alabama game. So stay tuned for that. That game means everything in the Rose bowl, but uh, we need to start a new segment called I have a bone to pick and just rotate week by week. And each one of us pick out something we have a bone to pick with, because I have a bone to pick with bowls. Because these bowl games mean nothing anymore. They're unwatchable. I don't know. It's like watching a Canadian football league game. I don't know any of the players. All of the big name players have sat out. And we're still supposed to feel like these games mean something. And they just don't. Corey, you take this one first because I feel like you you probably have a strong opinion. I mean, I love bowl games. Yeah? Truly, I do. It's It's... It's one of the best parts about like the Christmas season, just being able to watch a random college football game every single day, um, and usually some sort of intriguing matchups. But Ethan is right, considering that all of these players either opt out or are in the transfer portal, and it really does suck because I remember growing up and even some of these, like the Holiday Bowl and some of these games before like the New Year's Six, New Year's Day Bowl games, they did mean something to an extent. So I agree with Ethan, but there's one very simple fix here to this problem. And that is moving the portal date past January 1st. If you do that, you can have one of two things. Number one, you can still have players opting out for the NFL draft. That's going to happen. That's just, that is just the world that we live in for college football. But now, for all these players that are like, I don't want to be here anymore, this is your showcase to send out to all these other schools to watch film and see you ball out. Yeah, are you going to get hurt? But you're going to get hurt playing the game of, of football. Like, that's just going to happen. And with how loose everything is, like, 
it's it's a great opportunity to show what you have and give some film to these coaches uh, and maybe even make your landing spot even better. I agree with you that there is a fix, but I disagree with what the fix is because I think even if you did move the transfer portal date, kids who are going to an- enter the transfer portal would still sit out these games. They still wouldn't play. Um, I think the fix is already coming, and I think the fix is you have an expanded playoff and you have more games that matter. And we would have started watching playoff games. Correct me if I'm wrong, but we would have started watching playoff games two weekends ago is when I, they would have started. I believe that's the case. We we would have already watched two weekends of college football playoffs. And now we'd be coming into the final four this coming weekend on New Year's Eve or on New Year's Day, followed by the next Monday after that is the national championship game. That's the fix. That gives you awesome matchups to watch that mean so much. And it's going to mean more than what the, the bowl games used to. It's going to mean even more than that. So I think that right there is your fix. I agree with you, Corey, about moving the portal. That date does need to be moved, but I don't think that's going to fix the problems for these bowl games because of all the NFL opt-outs and all that kind of stuff. It, they just don't matter. I don't think they'll ever matter again, and I think they're going the way of the dodo bird. I think these bowl games, unless they keep making money the way that they do, which they generate a lot of TV revenue, and then they'll but that's keep why them. they're not going to go away. But it, it's not – it's exhibition. They're exhibition games. They don't mean anything. And the extended – the expanded college football playoff is the only saving grace. But those bowl games aren't going to go away for the time being. It's going to be at least five seasons before they start reevaluating whether what or not they're going to do with these bowl games. And when that happens, or even so with this expanded playoff, who's to say you have a USC with a high-profile quarterback and then they're just – eliminated in week 10 okay who's to say that that guy's just like you know what i'm opting out of the season and i'm just going to go into the nfl i'm going to start the process now i think you're going to see a lot more of that and that is really going to hurt college football if you only have 12 of the top teams that are competitive because the spirit of this expanded playoff is to give those teams like a florida state who is we all know why they weren't going to be as competitive with their quarterback, whether or not that goes into how they should be viewed to get into the playoff does not matter. That gives that team a chance to be in the conversation for the 12 team playoff. But all these other teams that don't have a chance to get in, it's like, there's no point because the bowl games don't mean anything. So all the best players are just going to be like, you know what? I'm, I'm sitting the rest of this year. doesn't matter. Bowl game. This is the first season that I really haven't watched a bowl game from beginning to end. And it just kind of dawned on me today, like bowl games are such a strange concept. Like what other sport has like basically a whole bunch of consolation exhibition games? Like not even this isn't even a tournament. It's just a bunch of individual games. Like how weird would it be if the NFL was like, okay, uh, the playoffs are going to happen in like a week from now. But this week we're going to have the Cardinals play the Panthers. And yeah, the, the toilet watching. bowl. The toilet bowl. Yeah. It's <clears throat> when I was growing up, it was one last chance 
to see like all the senior players and all that stuff play on your team who was like good but not great or or whatever. Like I remember to that point, I remember watching Chad Henney send Coach Lloyd Carr off with a win over Tim Tebow's Florida Gators. Like that was an epic bowl game to watch because nobody was opting out. Nobody was transferring. Nobody was sitting out for draft prep. Like you had Tim Tebow playing in his last ever college football game in a bowl game that there was nothing on the line except for he was playing football. Yeah, and going away from the BCS, as soon as you go away from the model of only the top two teams get to play each other for a national championship, as soon as you made it four, it went away. The The luster of all of the rest of those games immediately went away because it became now there is a playoff format the bowl games were your playoff format. They were essentially to, to be able to say, hey, we weren't the best team in the country, but we were better than this other really, really good team like Michigan over Florida that year. But it, it just, it, as soon as it went to a playoff format, even though it was only four teams, it took every bit of luster away from all the rest of those quote unquote um important bowl games because Alex day is a a Disney adult. Uh, I'm going to bring this up. There's this, there's this like YouTube, like documentary about uh, the history of the Disney fast pass. And I promise you we're going to get to this circle here. And they talked about how when the park first opened, they gave you a ticket book of like, a, B, C, D level tick like level rides to go into the park, and you had to buy this ticket book and turn those things in. And then they talked about the development of the fast pass and how this worked, and like you could like you know get a ticket for a different thing, blah 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 blah. The whole point of the video was that now the fast pass, which was supposed to uh, like give you a idea and a process to get away from these long lines, has gone back to the original way that the Disneyland ticket thing had done. So my question to you guys is, are we going to expand this playoff so much that we're eventually going to go back to the bowl system? Or is it just like too early to tell? Nope. No money. Play- playoff money. games are going to make playoff <laughs> games are going to make too much money. Also, games, I like how I'm the Disney are going to make billions with a B dollar per year. And I like how I'm the Disney adult, but Corey's the one who watched a YouTube documentary about the history yeah. of the Disney Fast Pass. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna have an intervention one. for Corey. It was the only now, one. Too, it was interesting, it and yeah. it was more so about technology than about Disney. You care less about what the park was. Call the is number. That, is, that the, is that Call the number, number that Corey. gives me the, the the slam dunk uh, play that can't lose? But because I need that. Yes. Yeah. Yep. They can't lose. They can't lose, boy. all right so speaking of bowl games that don't matter hey the big Ten's two and oh in bowl games that don't matter so whatever that means to you it's it's important to the big 10 i guess it's important for northwestern and minnesota northwestern beat utah i didn't expect that to happen uh 14 to 7 
Then Minnesota beats Bowling Green. Also didn't expect that to happen. Uh, 30 to 24, Minnesota somehow found someone to play quarterback for them. Northwestern, man, just just caps a great season. Not really sure what their ceiling is going forward, but this kind of felt like a season of destiny for them. Corey, you were at the Bowling Green, Minnesota game. Why don't you give us a breakdown? You You were what? At this game. You knew it. I've talked. I've been talking about it for weeks, but uh, my buddy was a Bowling Green grad, so we went last year and then this year as well. Uh, it was an electric factory on the Bowling Green sideline because they were like, "Oh, we're playing a Big Ten team. That's pretty cool." And then there was nobody on the Minnesota sideline. It was so funny. But the whole story of this game, Minnesota realized that they could run the ball up the middle and gain eight yards of play, and that's what they did. The whole time. That's it. That sounds it was riveting. Fun. That's PJ Flex It was kind of fun to see offense. Connor uh, Blazak, or I don't even know how to pronounce his last name, but he was kind of slinging it, and every time that he got hit, it looked like that his body was going to fall apart, even though he didn't get hit that bad. It was, it, was, it was a sickos committee game dream, and they were talking all about it all on, on Twitter. But, yeah, Minnesota just played – big boy football and uh Maction was nowhere to be found that's the whole story of that game so we have a lot of big 10 bowl games left to pick but obviously the crown jewel of all of them or should i say the granddaddy of them all is the rose bowl it's the cfp semifinal where michigan is playing alabama in pasadena in the rose bowl I don't think I can fully put into words how psyched I am for this matchup. I I think this is the best matchup of the two semifinals, just in terms of in terms of brand, in terms of location. The two of the most high profile coaches in the game. This matchup is giving you everything you could ever want in a CFP semifinal. So let's talk. We've talked about this a little bit, but have yet to make picks. Let's get into this, spend a few minutes just kind of breaking it down from each of our individual perspectives, and we'll we'll end it with our, well, do you want to do this pick before the other ones, or do you want to save it for like very, very end? We'll break down, and then we'll do all the picks and come back. I think we, I think we should break it down and do the pick. I think we should That's do my it vote. at the end, but. I think I'm voting with Ethan. I'm 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 gonna I'm gonna vote with I'm gonna vote with Ethan I'm gonna vote with Ethan We're not gonna bury the lead We're gonna get We're gonna get into this matchup All right But before we get any more picks Can we get the number I've been waiting on this number for weeks And you've been keeping it from us Probably because your picks are bad I I don't have the number still It's 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 on me It's my bad guys It's my bad I lost count. I lost count. Also, Ethan, did you make picks for the Minnesota and Northwestern games? Oh, no. He told me he was going to pick the games of the people that won. So, <laughs> Okay. That was an unnecessary well, shot at me. Because, Ethan, you had, to leave, you had to leave the episode before those games. Yes, I did. I didn't know that there were picks made in the episode. Well, the numbers are thrown off even more now. Sad I, day. I'm I'm gonna figure out the number. I'm gonna figure out the number. We will have the number when the season's over. 
I guarantee you that much. We will have a winner. I promise. Anyways, Michigan Bama. I, I, I'm going to go first on this one. I've, I've got some things I want to share because uh, the spread's been a little bit back and forth, not in terms of who's favored, but it got, it's gone one and a half Michigan. It's gone two points Michigan. It's back down to one and a half in Michigan's favor. But every time I turn on the TV and every time I scroll on Twitter, I see people being like, oh, this is Bama. This is Bama. Bama's going to win. Bama's going to win. It's it's Saban. It's Jalen Milrow playing his best football. It's Saban. It's Alabama. Like They're just kind of saying the same stuff over and over. And it feels like they're just all talking about the brand and the image and the ghost of Alabama football. You know, the ghost that everyone fears that is Alabama football. But the more I look into the numbers between these two teams of what's actually transpired on the football field this season, the more I feel confident that Michigan's going to win. I do. I I went and looked at some things that I believe are important in terms of situational football when it comes to these high-profile games. Because the margins in these games where you've got two teams that are this talented are so, so, so slim. Things like third down, things like red zone, things like QB pressures, penalties, all those things become incredibly and exponentially more important. So I'm going to give some numbers, okay? I'm going to compare Bama to Michigan in a few of these different categories. Let's start with third down percentage. Michigan offense, third down percentage, ranks 16th in the country. At Bama's third down defense is 24. Michigan's third down defense is 15th in the country. Bama's third down offense is 15th, so they're neutral. Fewest penalties per game. Michigan is the best team in the country. Alabama ranks 61st in penalties against. Red zone defense for Michigan is third. Red zone offense for Bama is 7th. Red zone offense for Michigan is 39th. Red zone defense for Bama is 50. Both advantages for Michigan. Turnover margin. Michigan is the second best team in the country in turnover margin. Bama is 20th. Sacks. Sacks allowed for Michigan. 36 on the year. Or sorry, they rank 36th in the country in sacks allowed. Uh, Bama ranks 115th in sacks allowed this year. Yeah, Jalen Milrow has gotten beat up in a few of their games. That's for sure. And he's a mobile guy, and he can move, and they're still getting to him. So I'm looking at this. I'm like, okay, Michigan's got advantages in third down. they got advantages in the red zone. They've got advantages with QB pressures and advantages in turnovers. Those are four very critical parts of the game. Oh, and penalties. All very critical situational parts of these of this football game that that these margins are slim. And they're going to add up to bigger differences. I just see Michigan winning this game, man. I know people want to talk about how J.J. played poorly in these last four games and the passing offense wasn't there. Michigan did happen to play, oh, I guess, three of the top five total defenses in the country in their last four games. Like, let's chill on the Michigan offense complaints because they played elite defenses in that time. So I'm, I'm leaning to Michigan. I have been the whole time, and it's just gotten more and more that way the more I look at this game. Uh, one thing, kind of funny. Uh, can we get ACC officials for this game? 
I am requesting ACC officials for this game uh, because they'll be very upset at the SEC schools. Uh, besides the point, yikes. It, it's Remember when I was always talking about how, or even at the beginning of the year with Ohio State, you know, two years in a row, they lose to Michigan, they take a step back, and then they get that number, they're over under for win totals for the year. And we're all kind of like, I don't know, this is like with McCord and everything else going around, like, like this would be the year where they wouldn't hit that number. And I brought it back to, you get the benefit of the doubt when you are a winner. And what program in America has won more than Alabama in this time? I get it. Down year, the stats speak for themselves. They're heavily penalized. They, they give up a lot of sacks, all of that stuff. Guys, it's Alabama. And if there is one team that I am not going to overlook by any stretch of the means, it is a Nick Saban-led Alabama school. This is a less talented team than last year. They somehow got into the playoff. Whether they deserved it or not, they're in the playoff. If anything, this Alabama team would want you to overlook them. They would feed off of that because it's like we've done everything that we've needed to do since the beginning of this of the Saban dynasty, and now you're going to doubt what we're capable of. I, that is a scare. An, an Alabama team that is an underdog is a very scary team to go up against. Am I still in the side where Michigan could win this game or should win this game? Yeah, probably. But I'm not going to feel – I'm going to be in two and a half hours of the torture chamber, like I usually am. But even more so because this is Alabama team is Alabama. It's the, it's the pinstripes. It's, it's, we talked about the ghost. There's a reason that that ghost lingers. It's because they've had success for years and years and years. So I'm going to be concerned a little bit here. But on the flip side of this, this whole year with this Michigan team, when we talk about a team like LSU that was locked in from the very beginning and talked about like how players were talking about the season, and, and Joe Burrow, I think, was the most prominent figure in that. Win a big game against Alabama, job's not done. We still got some more work to do. They win the SEC title game, job's not done. We got some more work to do. They throw 30 touchdowns against Oklahoma in the college football playoff semifinal, and they're like, job's not done. We got more work to do. It seems like this Michigan team is carrying that same mentality. And I would even think that goes from Harbaugh as well. The, the whole dialogue around the, uh, the injunction of the suspension, just it, like, we're going to fight this, we're going to do this, and then all of a sudden it dies. Now, people could say, okay, they found some evidence. And then other people could say, Michigan's confident with what they have in the room and who they have in the room to take care of business and their three toughest games. And they go out and win their three most challenging games of the season without their leader, without their head coach. And they were laser-focused the entire time. You could argue maybe not with the Maryland game. I, I, I think they're in a spot where it's like, yeah, we're going to get punched. We're going to get beat up a little bit, but... We are so confident in who we have here. It doesn't matter. Look at how Harbaugh is taking and answering interview questions. He's talking about Disneyland without a care in the world. These guys are like, we're good. We know we're good. And we are going to take care of business here. And I have never seen that from any of the teams that I root for outside of this year. And I told you guys at the beginning of the year, that's what it's going to need to take for Michigan to take home a national championship. And I think we're seeing it unfold before our eyes. 
oh, there just feels like it just feels like there's just a weight right now. Like I'm just holding this big weight inside my chest and there's, there is a nervousness that comes with it, but there is also an excitedness that comes with it. And I can't wait for this game to kick off at 5 PM on new year's day. I am so freaking excited. There is, there are so many different variables um, and you guys have delved into a lot of them. Alex, you went into a lot of the numbers that I have looked at as well. <clears throat> um, I've said this since it got announced that that's who they were going to be playing, is that for the first time in my college football watching life, basically, I think that Michigan is the better football team than Alabama. I think front to back, offense, defense, special teams, I think Michigan is actually the better team. Now, Alabama has Nick Saban. And and they have Nick Saban with four weeks to prepare, for five weeks to prepare, however long it's been since that SEC championship game. But it is a long time to have for him to cook up, you know, whatever it is that they are going to cook up for this game. There is, there have been many times during this season where Jalen Milrose immaturity has shown as a quarterback and it has not come back to bite them in the butt, including in the iron ball where I mean, there's a name for the play. Anytime there's a name for a play in a rivalry game, it was insane. And that play was absolutely insane. The Gravedigger. And it will go down in history forever as the Gravedigger. And there there have been a lot of times where they have played opponents and barely squeaked by this season. I don't think that Michigan is going to allow them to do that. I truly do believe that Michigan is the better team. And I think that Michigan is going to come out and I think the turnover battle is going to be huge in this game. And I trust Michigan more to win the turnover battle in this game. I I think it's probably going to be something like a 31 to 30 type finish somewhere like like I think this is going to be an outrageously close game and <laughs> it's kind of funny because if you were giving me plus two I think we just looked in live the line is back to one and a half Michigan minus one and a half I think I would take Alabama at plus two but I think I'm taking Michigan at minus one and a half which is like crazy but I really do think it's going to be that close of a game. But I like I I like Michigan in this game. I think Michigan's the best team in the country. I've said that for a long time now. Um, and I I think they I think they are going to win. I, and and that that feels insane to say, but I do. I think they are going to win the game. 
it feels very insane to say. I know I said in not so many words what my pick was. I am picking Michigan to win and to cover one and a half or two, whatever it is. I think this game is going to be a, a field goal. It could very well be less than a field goal, but I'm going to say it's a field goal. So I could absolutely see this being a one-point game. No doubt about it. Same. 100% same. Um, but I, my official pick... Final answer is going to be Michigan minus one and a half to cover versus Bama. Corey, what are we doing here? We're we're not going to make this a super lock. Is this just we're not going to do that? That's we got to make it a super lock. I it's 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 one and a half. That's a pick them. I I mean, and and if you think Michigan's going to win the game, you got to take them to cover. So the uh, it if they don't win it, they're never going to win it. So better win it. That's Listen, listen to this sicko. Oh, you want to talk about sicko yeah. committee? Are you ready? This will be, this will be outside of the Michigan Ohio State game. This is going to be. This might beat the Michigan Ohio State game, and that was the most bet on college football game ever. Was this year's Michigan Ohio State game? If this game beats that, here here's what you have to realize. All of the money for Alabama is going to be on Alabama money line. Why not take the plus odds? So those people are all going to take Alabama money line. Then all the Michigan betters are going to take Michigan minus one and a half, minus two. If Michigan wins by one point, I, I mean, when I tell you that Vegas is going to make out like bandits. <laughs> They get everybody's money. You mean they get Vegas everyone's money <laughs> coming out on top? In a no, I know no it way. sounds crazy, you guys. Hey, it it almost it almost happened in that Michigan Ohio State game. If Michigan didn't kick that last field goal, Vegas or Vegas was taking home all the money because what were what were the two things that were bet? It was Michigan minus three and a half. If you were on Michigan or you were taking Ohio State money line. So it was very close to Vegas taking home all the chatter. I do have a question, a little bit unrelated. Talking about the scouting for talking about the scouting yes, for Alabama in the three weeks for Nick Saban. So on the offensive side of the ball, you obviously want to make Michigan stop the run. But if you're spending your entire game plan of Michigan stopping the run and then Michigan has some pass heavy attack or something. Does that hurt you? I'm not, and I'm saying this from a football standpoint, not because like I think Michigan's all that great. I'm I'm asking like you put all your eggs into one basket, stopping the run, stopping the run, and you just say, okay, we're going to see if Michigan can beat us in the pass. Does that hurt you as a strategy, or are you how do, how do you approach Michigan with not seeing what they can do passing the ball outside of the non-con and weaker conference? Uh, scheduled opponents as opposed to run the ball, run the ball, run the ball in their most difficult matchups. Here, here is, here is my answer to that. And I think that's actually a really good question. Honestly, I, I, I do. Uh, my answer to that question would be Michigan is going to do everything they can to not allow this game to be the TCU game of last year. I think Michigan's defense is vastly improved from last year's. I think their unit as a whole on both sides of the ball are vastly improved. 
I think that Michigan is going to run the football in this game. You will see darn near a 50-50 split at the end of the game for run pass for Michigan. If things are going well, it will be right near. So I don't think you can just say we're going to stop the run because I think Michigan is going to be more of, it will be more of a 50-50 type game for Michigan's game plan. So if if Alabama is just sold out to stopping the run, I think that's a negative for Alabama. If they're loading eight and nine guys in the box, Colston Loveland and uh, Colston Loveland is going to eat you alive. Because if you're loading that many dudes in the box and you let him break out breaking routes, uh, you're you're going to have a bad time. All right, we've we've talked about that one enough i think and let's hop over to the other cfp have we though i kind of like to talk about it more no we haven't i could i could talk about this until game time i'm going to talk about this during the game i'm going to talk about this long after the game is over so there will be more trust me but let's go over to the other cfp semifinal. we have texas and washington in the sugar bowl texas minus four i've thought about this one Texas, the the weakness of their team is their secondary. Obviously, not a good matchup for you know playing Michael Penix and the uh, the wide receiver room that he's working with over at Washington. But Washington struggled running the ball, and Texas' defensive line is just they've got monsters. They've got monsters on the defensive line. But the thing I keep coming back to is that now while I think Michigan is going to beat Alabama. I still believe Alabama is a very good football team and Texas just kind of pushed them around. Like when they were, when Texas is at their peak, they're really freaking good. They're, they're good enough to push around in Alabama on the road in their own building. And I feel like, I feel like people are thinking about that kind of Texas dip in the middle of the season. And, and I think they might be putting a little too much weight in that because they're forgetting that Quinn Ewers was hurt. So I have Texas winning this game. My my pick is going to be Texas to meet Michigan in the national championship game. Now, I do think that Michael Penix can carry this Washington team for a large portion of this game. A very, very large portion. So I And I do think that the aggressiveness of their coach and going forward on fourth downs, creative play calling. I think that's going to keep this game close. So I'm taking Texas to win, but I'm taking Washington plus four. By far the best one, four, two, three matchups we have ever had in the CFP. This is, this is the year where (laughs) this is what everybody has been asking for the entire time. The CFP has existed and funny that it's switching because We've we've talked about this at nauseum and we've said it multiple times and it's not just me saying it, it's been you guys too. But what a perfect year to introduce a twelve team playoff. This year would be such a perfect year for that. And unfortunately we don't get it. But at least the first two games both are on paper outstanding matchups. I I just I just can't get over the fact that Michael Penix and what he did to Oregon twice 
and everybody hyping up Oregon's defense so much when the only team that they played all year who was good demolished them both times they played them. I, I just, Texas's defense is better than that. It's not the best defense in the country, but it is better than Oregon's. I'm going to trust Quinn Ewers. I'm going to, I'm going to trust that they have a good enough game plan. And Texas is going to have to run the football in this game. They're going to have to hold on to the football. You cannot, we have seen that movie against Oregon when Michael Penix Jr. has been being given the ball every five minutes or less than five minutes, and he will tear you apart. That cannot be what you do. So I think that a huge part of Texas's game plan is going to be to eat up clock and move the ball. I think they do it. I I'm gonna go I'm gonna go with you, Alex, on this one. I, I think I'm leaning towards Texas minus four here. I really wish it was just three. <laughs> I really, really do. Um, it's not, unfortunately. But I think late game, Texas might pull away in the second half a little bit and win this game by a touchdown. So I am going to take Texas minus the four here. I think that they've got the better roster. Now, I think this game is going to be high scoring. I would take the over in this game. I think there's going to be some scoring happening in this game. Take the over for the game. Take the over for the first half. I think it's just going to be fireworks from the word go. So I, I think Michigan or Alabama is going to have a feel out period in the first portion of that game. This game will not. This game will be electricity from the word go. Ethan, you just about took the words right from my mouth. I mean, we are talking about how this is probably the best matchups that we've seen in the college football playoff on paper. And I think you're going to have the best complements of games to one another. I think the Rose Bowl is going to be a little bit more gritty, you know, ground and pound sort of a, a feel. And it's going to, like, seven or three points is going to feel like a ton. And then you're going to get to the nightcap, maybe a little bit of uh, some Pac-12 after dark sort of a feel to it. And it's just going to be an absolute track meet. There is going to be touchdown after touchdown after touchdown. And honestly, it's not going to be even like, I mean, we've talked about Washington struggles on the defensive side of the ball. And we've talked about how physical Texas is can, can push you around. But I just think that sometimes real athletic teams can surpass real physical teams and vice versa. So like, it'll either be the perfect storm to calm everything down, or it'll be just an absolute nuclear explosion. This is what's going to happen in this game. And I just, I, I don't see a way where Washington, who has played this season in, we've, we've talked about it, is in a team of destiny sort of way, where they get blown out in this game. I don't see that happening. You play this game 10 times and maybe, maybe one time. And for that reason, I'm going to take Washington to cover I don't know how I feel about who's going to win this game. I don't have to make that pick because that's not in the rules. So suck it, Alex. Um, that's no. absolutely in the rules. It, it, it is in the rules. Okay, timeout. We're, we're making it in the okay, rules fine. for this 
because we want to hear your pick for who wins the CFP All right, game. Fine. I mean, come on. Don't leave the people hanging like this. Yeah, don't wimp okay, out of Okay, but pick, my record baby. counts towards the spread, not the pick, correct? Or are we throwing the picks in? Okay. Yeah, right. correct. Yes. I'm yes. Taking, spread. I'm, yes. I'm spread is the pick. To win outright, too. I think, I think Whoa. We, we, we're looking at the lines in Vegas, 80% of the money on Alabama, and and the line hasn't moved you know, far from that one and a half to two. So something's going on there. And last time I checked, there's a lot of public money on Texas as well. And if our radar, if our radar flags are going up for Alabama, Michigan, it better be going up for Texas, Washington as well. Washington has overcome close games against Oregon state. They were able, we, overlook the fact we just say oh Oregon totally just crapped the bed and they got obliterated do you know how hard it is to beat a team twice in one year I mean TCU was not the same caliber as Washington we don't think but TCU played Kansas State they beat them and then they played them again and then they lost close in the Big 12 championship and they got in the playoff why because they had an undefeated regular season and everybody and their mother knows how hard it is to beat a team twice in one year. And Washington did that twice to a top 10 team. And they embarrassed them the second time. You going to put you going to put any real sauce I don't on know, that I'm Washington on streak, money line so pick? Maybe I shouldn't. Uh but eh, you know, maybe I'll make something this is the perfect pick yeah, to get perfect, you out of your truly. Cold I don't care. I'll take that loss if that means Michigan wins the other game. So that's fine. I'll I'll, I'll throw five bucks or whatever it is that I, I throw onto onto picks. But I this Washington team is good. This Washington team has overcome a seemingly ridiculous uh, nine and a half point underdog uh, championship matchup, which had never happened before. A, a, a nine and a half point or worse or however, whatever the number is to go into their conference championship game has never won until Washington did it real quick. I just want to pat ourselves on the back real quick. Did we have Washington plus nine and a half as a super lock on this podcast? We did. I know I picked any, them. No, we, were you I, on Oregon? I, uh, before the game, before the game, I mulliganed because you did that one that one time, so you gave me that. I I went with Washington as well. That's right. Oh yeah, because I talked to you. Because I it. talked you, you like, into you a pick earlier, so it. we were we're even. Yeah. Even. Yep, that's right. Yeah, that is true. That is very true. I felt like Washington yeah. plus nine and a half was like the easiest pick I've ever made in my life. It, it, dude, it, I was like. It you know what it you know what it reminded me of it reminded me of Michigan going to play Ohio State at Ohio State the year after beating their brains in in Michigan and it was and I asked you guys so many times I was like what has changed other than Michigan has a better quarterback than they did last year please tell me what has changed please their offensive line was still the best in the country their run game was still outrageously good they had a better quarterback, and Ohio State was still soft as Charmin on defense. I was like, am I missing something? Has has something changed? That was very much how I felt in that Washington-Oregon game. I'm like, 
did we not already watch this show once before? <laughs> like, what, what am I missing? And then all of the money in the world, again, follow the money, right? Everybody was betting Oregon minus nine and a half. Um, and I, I, my brain was melting at that. And I'm glad. That was a super lock of the podcast. And these people were, uh, you know, sometimes we can be smart. I just want to point that out. Sometimes sometimes Listen, we be smart. Public service announcement for everybody who has listened or maybe never has listened or people who aren't fans of the show. I don't toot my own horn very often. But when I do, it's because I'm right. Put us up against any sports betting podcast for this year. See see how well we've done compared to those clowns. And we're oh, and we're we giving you we these picks for the low low cost of free ninety nine. You don't have to pay nothing. We're just giving this to you. We're giving you money. That's I'm right. Free. That's right. Preach. Preach. Although uh, it would be us, nice if you subscribe. If you want to send us sponsorship yeah, if you money. Want to pay us for our picks, yeah, we would appreciate that too. But until then, we're 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 giving you money. So when we ask for a subscription, th- that's the least you can do. To hit a stupid button, you don't even have to pay us money. We'd like you to, but you don't have to. Hit the button. We love you guys. We love you. So speaking of the picks, we've got a few more to make. We've locked in our semifinal picks. We've got some some uh, some bowl games, Big Ten bowl games to pick. Now let's start off with Rutgers. Corey. <coughs> Rutgers football. Rutgers football is playing the University of Miami in the Bad Boy Mowers Pinstripe Bowl. And Rutgers is a two-and-a-half-point favorite. Going into this game, it's a little bit of a home game for them. They don't have to travel very far. Uh, I'll take this one first. I, I'm i going to take Miami plus the points. I don't know. This one just seems weird. I don't even know if I if Miami knows who's playing quarterback for them because Van Dyke is in the portal, and, and I don't know if their guy who broke his arm is healthy, but I don't know. Rutgers, we've said it all year, is kind of a one-trick pony on offense. Give me Miami plus the two and a half. Miami plus the two and a half. Anytime in these bowl games where you have one team where like all their players are playing and then another team where players are sitting out and it flips the spread because of it. I just watched it on my television screen where USC was catching points against Louisville and they destroyed them. Take the team that has the upper echelon talent. That is Miami. They still have dudes on that roster. I'll take Miami USC plus was, the two and a half. You were talking about the USC Louisville game. USC was playing a home game. Let, let's let's be real here, okay? Regardless, and I'm going to ask you this question. I'm going to ask it a lot. Who cares more about this game? Okay. Well, they were catching four and a half. Huh? What'd you say? Who cares more about this game? Rutgers cares Rutgers. more about this game. Nobody, nobody, Rutgers. nobody in Miami cares about. Nobody wants to go to freaking Yankee Stadium and play this game. Outside of them boys, who like to eat meatball marinara subs and cover every single spread. Give me the boys, the Scarlet Knights, locking it in. That's that's my lock of the week. Okay, but who who cared more? Who cared more, Bowling yeah, Green or Minnesota? Minnesota? Just ran the ball up the middle, and Bowling Green was like. Okay, next. 
we are we we're on a time crunch. <laughs> All right, December 29th, Missouri is playing Ohio State. Ohio State is minus three right now. This line has been all over the place. Uh, I'm just going to keep the same order here. I'm taking Missouri plus the points, and I also think Missouri's just going to win this game. I think Ohio State defensively is still just too good for this Missouri team. I'm going to take Ohio State. As much as I hate to say it, I think I'll take Ohio State as well. They're still going to have Travion Henderson. They're going to run the ball a lot. Defense is still pretty good. And I think uh, Sawyer is coming back uh, as well, so he will be playing in this game. Uh, I think it'll actually be one of the best uh, bowl games of the year uh, as far as competitiveness goes. So give me Ohio State close, but they take care of business. This next one actually is going to be really interesting. Ole Miss is playing Penn State. Penn State minus four and a half. Ole Miss has a lot of hype in the in the media right now. Penn State maybe not so much. Another year of not getting over the hump. Um, but I think that's going. I think this game is going to show that Penn State's just a really talented team, and they're really really good. I'm going to go Penn State minus four and a half. The Ole Miss hype train will get me on board next year. Man, we are in lockstep right now. Uh, Alex, I I couldn't agree with you more. I think that this is just one of those times where defensive prowess and ability to stick to the ground game. However, Ole Miss has a phenomenal run game, so look out for that in this game as well. And we saw how they didn't fare so well against Michigan earlier in the season when that was the case. But I'm still going to take Penn State in this game. Give me Penn State to cover simply because I think Jackson darts a tool bag. That's all I got to say about that. Fair. Fair enough. Auburn playing Maryland. Auburn minus seven. Maryland is going to be without Talia. And Auburn showed us that they can run the freaking ball on an Alabama team. I'm going to take Auburn minus seven. Auburn minus seven. Maryland still soft. Auburn minus seven. Wisconsin, LSU. LSU is minus 10 right here. I don't know anything about Jaden Daniels potentially playing or not, but either way, LSU by a million. Who are they playing? I'm sorry. Wisconsin, LSU. And what was the spread? LSU minus 10. Ew. Jaden Daniels is not playing. Hmm. That line doesn't make any sense. Give me Wisconsin. No, I'll take LSU. They got Wisconsin's got to figure out how to cover that spread without Braylon Allen. Did they figure out the dairy rate offense in a month when they couldn't figure it out all year? Not happening. Give me LSU. Iowa playing Tennessee in the cheese at Citrus Bowl. Tennessee is minus six. They are going to be, if I read this correctly today, they are going to be starting their freshman quarterback for the first time in this game. And he's playing an Iowa defense that is a legit top five defense in the country. Give me Iowa plus six. Uh, This is so gross. Iowa plus six. Ew. Can't we can't pick against the boys now? We can't do that. One last ride for Ferentz and company, or at least Brian Ferentz, at least. Uh, Iowa's defense very good. I don't think. Uh, what's the quarterback's name? It's like I'm a Leva, which is hilarious because he he's going to leave it for the transfer portal pretty soon. Give me Iowa. That's going to be an awesome, awesome tune-up game to watch in the afternoon before all these college football playoff games. Uh, what's the over-under? Because I'm taking the under. Uh, let me give you a look. Hold on. Why can't I minimize my screen? 
Oh, here we go. Over under in that one is thirty five and a half. Under, under, under. This is that's child's play. That's free money right there. Under and Iowa covering. I love it. All right, ladies and gentlemen, those have been the picks. Those have been our CFP previews. And, uh, well, now we get to see if we're right. And hopefully, when you hear us next, we're three very, very happy Michigan fans. Hope you all had an incredible Christmas. Enjoy the new year. And uh, we'll talk to you next time. Peace. Enjoy the football.